The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Ajay Salves and Eric France in hour number two of the Full Court Press. Hi, everybody. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's a Friday evening as we get you ready for Utah State Aggie basketball. As they get ready for the San Diego State Aztecs tomorrow night, 8 o'clock spectrum. If you're looking for tickets, you need to go by to your grandma, aunts, uncles, anybody who has season tickets, because there are none left at the ticket office if you're looking to buy any. Nilch. Find a different way, people. What, what would that be? Like I said, go to your aunt or uncle, grandma or grandpa who has season tickets. Hey, grandma, I know you I know you didn't want to go walk out on the ice out there, so why don't you stay home and give me your tickets? <laughs> it's a later game. Hey, grandpa, you can't even see the damn thing, so why don't you just stay home? Yeah, oh, come on now. It, it is a later game, and if you have early morning meetings the next day, maybe stay home and watch it on TV there and you give go. your tickets to someone who can sleep in. Okay, we shouldn't be talking fans out of not going to the game. I just said give them to someone who uh But you're just saying who, who for somebody who's giving you're telling somebody else to give them away. I'm telling if you're looking for tickets, bribery, okay? Maybe you're gonna make them chocolate chip pancakes the next day. Maybe you're gonna give them a whoopee cushion in return. Maybe, Maybe you're you give them give... an eye patch with uh, leopard print. Okay, by the way, when I got home, I got questions <laughs> that I cannot repeat here on air. <laughs> But I want you to know. That's I what got, you get for winning pick six. I got questions about that gift. <laughs> Speaking of pick six, one of the items was the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Yes. It has just gone final. Yes. Ohio versus Nevada. Yes. I think we all pretty much felt like Ohio was going to win this one. What was the line, first of all? What was our pick six the, line? Well, the, the line for pick six was points by Nevada. And I set it at 21 and a half. Uh-huh. The final score, yeah. Ohio, 30. Nevada, 21. Yeah! <laughs> they were driving yes. in field goal range, yes. and they couldn't get it done. Oh, man. What As the time all? expired, they couldn't get it done. And you already forfeited two other lines, too, for whatever reason. What? Yeah, you already forfeited two other lines by your dumb picks. <laughs> hey, they could still... <laughs> Make it still? I almost got that one. That was close. <laughs> okay, that wasn't like a, an automatic. The other two that you gave us, or that Adam the intern gave us, were automatics, and you just you took a poop on them. Okay, uh, I have to read Pat poo-poo. Forty. He's uh, he's on Twitter. Yeah, he was watching the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, uh-huh. and I think he encapsulates what a lot of us have seen and felt about Nevada uh, as we've watched the season. And I'm uh, just bear with me here. This is a thread. Uh, Nevada fourth quarter coaching malpractice. Number one, down 30-15, to 15, score a touchdown. You can kick a PAT to make it a one-score game. You go for two, you miss. Two-score game. Number two, down 30-21, to 21, you drive effortlessly inside the five-yard line where on first down you decide to get clever and try a reverse, which is fumbled, which Ohio recovers. Number three, somehow gifted another chance, you drive inside the 10 with about a minute left. On fourth and goal, you blow off the field goal that would extend the game and throw a fourth straight incompletion in the end zone. Game over. What was that? 
I think those of us who watched Nevada and when when they came to Logan, yep, <laughs> there were some very questionable things about that team. How they were bowl eligible, I don't know. They were a haphazard team. They had guys that were very undisciplined, guys that were suspended for the bowl game. They could never settle on who their quarterback was because of this very ineffective, and there were guys who were uh, in, ineligible sometimes. So it, it is a, a minor coaching miracle that they were even bowl eligible. But, um, yeah, a couple bad coaching decisions kind of doomed Nevada today in their bowl game. And their quarterback, Malik, just was not that good. I don't know what. <laughs> I like watching him play, throwing off his back foot. I mean, making rush throws when nobody was even near him. He wasn't the quarterback today. Who it was, was it Carson today? Strong. Well, he he threw for 402 yards. And he still lost. And they only scored 21 points doing that. That's amazing to me. Well, uh, pick six is going to be fun next week. But I think we both agreed Ohio was going to be the team yeah. to win this one. I believe the line, the Las Vegas line, just again, how crazy close they, they get so often. I believe it was Ohio by eight and a half. Ohio wins it by nine. So if you took Ohio to cover, you won. Congratulations. Or if you took the under of 21 and a half, you won. <laughs> oh, so close. <laughs> We're inside the 10. Hey, so really quickly, before we get in the know on the San Diego State Aztecs, let's get really your just your quick thoughts at the completion of the Mountain West Conference Bowl games. Surprised? Not surprised? Where do you stand? Okay, so the Mountain West ends the bowl season at, with four wins and three losses, yep. correct? Yep. And um, I, I think that's some of us kind of felt like it could go that way. I actually thought it was more three and four, maybe a little bit more likely. Um, but uh, the the ones that that, that lost, I, I was... I predict I was predicting that Air Force would lose to Washington State. I'm glad that one was wrong. I didn't think Boise could beat Washington. I thought Utah State could beat Kent State. They didn't. Um, and I don't think we any of us predicted that Nevada would beat Ohio. But overall, uh, even in that game, uh, Nevada was close. They were competitive and with some perhaps better coaching decisions in the fourth quarter could have still been in a position to win that game. Uh, really, the only uh, blowouts or uh, game that a, a Mountain West team wasn't in it was Boise State. Every other team that competed either won their game or they were in the game. So uh, I, it was a little surprised that Boise State wasn't more competitive in their bowl game against Washington and Las Vegas. But uh, I think the the other big surprise was how much offense came out of the Aztecs. Yeah, in that San Diego State yeah. bowl game. Out of all the people, and and and, I'll, and I know we've already stated the obvious here in this one. For me, extremely disappointed with the way Utah State's bowl game went. Oh, I yeah. mean, just to give up fifty-one so points, fourth quarter Eric, especially fifty-one points and twenty-five to in the Kent fourth. to State and twenty-five of it in the fourth, and you couldn't tackle Crum. I mean, you you let him get off the hook so many times, uh, and and have his way. Uh, just. I mean, Jordan Love could not have played any better. I thought Trail Bright had a wonderful game, but defensively, and I thought the offense was great, but defensively it was just an absolute atrocious nightmare. Uh, still blows me away. And then the way Boise State got handled uh, by Washington, and you know, you can give a, a chunk of credit to Chris Peterson, making sure that his team was ready and focused on playing the game and not being distracted by, oh, it's Chris Peterson's last game, oh, it's versus Boise State, but being focused on playing the Boise State Broncos. Uh, for I just... That really stunned me to see Washington manhandle 
Boise State that way. Yeah, well, and give credit to Chris Peterson and the Washington Huskies. Uh, it's, it's, they haven't had – that program has not had a losing year, a losing record in football in the last – what was it? Uh, almost 10? Yeah. Um, and this Chris Peterson's a great, great coach. It's, it's a tragedy that he's, he's uh, calling it quits. I hope it's not permanent. Um, hopefully it's just a um, temporary thing where he needs to step away for a moment and gets back into it because he's a great coach. Yeah, he understands the game very well, has a great program, great mentality, gets guys playing the right way, um, and uh, that's, it's, it's too bad. I'm really surprised that Chris Pearson didn't take the New Mexico Lobo job. <laughs> I, I just thought that would have been his fit. Um, it could have been a, a yeah, great mark on his legacy. Turn things around in Albuquerque. If you can win, watch. You would have took New Mexico to a New Year's Six Bowl and won it too. Uh, for all I know. I wouldn't put it past Honestly, him. for all I know, he probably would have done that. All right, Eric, it's time to step, uh, step away from the football side of things and get ready for basketball. That's what the Aggies want to talk about here. The Aggie listeners want well, to Well, can we just real quick, before we move too far beyond football, okay. there is the news today that uh, Mike Sanford is uh, moving on from Utah State. He's going to be the new offensive coordinator in uh, Minnesota. P.J. Fleck and the Minnesota Gulf, uh, <laughs> Gophers made the announcement today that Mike Sanford Jr. is going to be the co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at Minnesota. Uh, that, that's a team that they went 11-2 this year. They uh, won their bowl game. They beat number 12 Auburn in the Outback Bowl. A lot of momentum on their side, a lot of excitement in Minnesota, in Big Ten country. So it's a great opportunity for Mike Sanford. You can't fault him for that. He's, you know he's going to get a significant pay increase uh, by doing that. But um, he, I, I thought that uh, he, was a, he was a good offensive coordinator at Utah State. Things didn't always go great. There were a couple of games where the offense really struggled. To, didn't seem like things were clicking. But there are a lot of factors at play. You talked about schedule earlier. But uh, to young, inexperienced offensive line, there were big question marks about wide receivers. Uh, there were some question marks even at running back who would back up Gerald Bright. So despite all of that, I mean, Jordan Love still produced a, a season where he threw for over 3,400 yards and 20 touchdowns, and he's going to go to the NFL. <laughs> um, so you know, take that for what it is. But uh, Mike Sanford's moving on, and Gary Anderson needs to find a new OC. So... That's pretty big news today. Didn't want to just gloss over it and not mention it this hour. Yes. Very true. Thank you, Eric. Yes, you may move on now. Is there anything else? Not until I think of something else. Okay. Uh, Utah State, San Diego State tomorrow night at 8 o'clock at the Spectrum. Uh, If you're looking for tickets, go to your mom or dad or somebody else because there are none left at the ticket office. Uh, This is a standing room only event. To say the least, uh, Aztecs right now fourteen and zero currently on the season. Do they uh, sell standing room only tickets? I don't think they do for basketball. No, maybe you can sneak in though and just stand in the back, the very very back, like near the concession or near the restroom. <laughs> I don't think they're letting anybody sneak in. They're going to be watching this very closely. It should be a full house. I hope it's a great crowd. It there is some be. question about the student section because classes don't start until Monday. Oh. So if students have coming are coming back early, uh, a little bit early, hopefully they're there. But I hope that they understand the gravity of tomorrow night's game and show up in I'll, strong I'll put fashion. it this way. Think of Nevada last year coming to the Spectrum, and that's what you're looking at now. Absolutely. Great point. That it's is a, what it is. It's the same thing. Uh, 
San Diego State, again, as you've already mentioned numerous times, they right now stand at 14-0 and on the season. They are 3-0 in Mount West Conference play, including a dominating win over Fresno State. Utah State, 13-3 and on the season, now 2-1 and in conference play after getting throttled by uh, by UNLV at the Tomlinson Max Center on Wednesday night. Uh, Eric, when I look at a couple of, the, uh, of things with this uh, San Diego State team, there's a lot to look at, really. There's a lot to dive into. Um, they can score at will, especially from their backcourt. Their backcourt is extremely athletic, extremely quick. They're going to be a, they're going to be a problem tomorrow night. So I was just going through some numbers, and numbers don't always tell the full story. But these two teams are alike in a lot of ways. Um, while their overall rankings may be slightly different, uh, when we look at the, what the numbers really are. They're really pretty close. USU averages about eighty points a game. They're one of the higher scoring teams in college basketball, but San Diego State's not that far behind. They average about 75.5 points a game. Um, they are in rebounds a game. That's where the big difference is. Uh, Utah State is number seven in the country in rebounds per game at uh, 42.5, basically. But San Diego State, not too far behind. They're at 38.5. Utah State shares the ball a lot more. Not necessarily a lot more. Pretty similar. 16.8 assists per game to San Diego State's 16.1. Um, steals about the same. They average about seven steals a game each. And uh, they average pretty similar in, in blocks per game as well. So there's a lot of similarities between these two teams on paper. But this is a Utah State team that hasn't played at full strength for very much of the season at all. If hardly at all, yeah. Hardly so at all. keep that in mind. That you sh- once this Utah State team gets to full strength, knock on wood that they do get there, I think it's even going to be better than what we've seen so far. Namish Keta, by the way, is a game-time decision. They'll look at his, uh, he'll go through a workout tomorrow, according to Coach Smith, uh, and they'll see how he feels, and they'll, uh, the training staff, Namish and Coach Smith, will make a decision from there. Again, he's a game-time decision. He did not play on Wednesday night versus UNLV. Uh, sorry, I was just looking at the roster here. I, you know, it's it's funny. I remember... Last year, in fact, I was talking to uh, a coach on the team who I'll leave nameless, but we were having a conversation, and he said, you know, looking at last year's team, guys like Jalen McDaniels actually hurt this team. Uh, they had the, uh, I can't remember his name, but he's the one that jacked up like bad shots in that tournament game. Uh, bigger dude. And he took like four deep threes, and I think he airballed three of them. I mean, for, he just had a horrible night. For San Diego State, Yeah, right? Yeah. It was, it was I can't big, place his name. I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't place his name. But, again, they, they return a couple of key guys, uh, one of them being Jordan Shackle, the 6'6", 200-pound uh, uh, young man. He's averaging right now just 10 points per game, three rebounds, just uh, under a half assist. Uh, he shoots 43% from deep, 85% at the line. He's 40, 47% from the field. That's the other thing is that when this team shoots, they, they're very efficient in their scoring. Really, really efficient, and that's something that Utah State has struggled through so far in some of these games. Yeah, they're uh, as a team shooting uh, about forty six percent from the field. They're actually a little bit better three point shooting team than USU. They average nearly thirty eight percent from beyond the arc. Utah State, by comparison, is about thirty three. Um, but USU's had a couple of games here lately where the that outside shot has has not fallen, and that's really hurt them. I think they are a better outside shooting team than what it's what it's showing, but 
but they haven't had that consistency. San Diego State has had more of that consistency. Um, it's, a, it's a program that, that plays tough, they're aggressive, and they attack. I think they're always in an attack mode. And uh, that, that's what's going to be the, the challenge for Utah State. Can they, can they get in the lanes? Can they, for lack of a better term, um, muddy it up for what San Diego State wants to do? Um, and then on the flip side, offensively, can Utah State um, attack the basket? Can they take the, the attack to the Aztecs uh, and get them on their heels? Uh, this is a really good defensive team, San Diego State is. Um, and, uh, and can Utah State have multiple guys have a game where they have to at least respect a couple of different guys on the court? Because as it is, Sam Merrill has been the only guy to really pay a lot of attention to. Granted, they're going to defend everybody, but the attention is on Sam Merrill. If other guys can score and get going, it starts to open up a lot more things for USU. And if you're saying with State, you want to eliminate the spark, and the spark is Justin Bean. If you let him get going, that crowd's going to get into it very quickly. You've got to take Justin Bean out of this game if you're San Diego State. Uh, we're going to get to a break. Coming back, Mark Ziegler, the San Diego Tribune, will join us here live on the Full Court Press. He'll uh, He's the beat writer for the Aztecs. does a tremendous job. We'll get his thoughts on this Aztecs team and what to look forward to. And are there any weaknesses in this squad? We'll find out. Eric France and Andre Salves in 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Audrey Southen here on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. In the know on the San Diego State Aztecs, who now stand up 14-0 and on the season. They are now ranked 12th in the country uh, with a 3-0 spicy conference record after a dominating win over the uh, Fresno State Bulldogs. And now joining us here on the Full Court Press, without further ado, grateful to have him, of the San Diego Tribune. He does great, great work. You can find his work uh, on the San Diego Tribune website, and, uh, and he's got some great articles, uh, especially the last two days, uh, last 24 hours on the uh, Utah State Aggie Aztec matchup. Mark Ziegler of the uh, San Diego Tribune joins us here. Mark, thanks for your time, my man. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, let's start here. When you look at this uh, San Diego State team, when you before the season started, did you see 14-0 and leading up to the Spectrum matchup on January 4th? You know, it was funny. <clears throat> about a, Maybe after Thanksgiving I did. Uh, once they got to that Las Vegas tournament, they beat Creighton in Utah. Um, kind of looked ahead at the schedule and said they got one more tough game, and that was against Utah. But they had basically 10 days to get ready for it. The only game ahead of it was an NAIA team. So uh, you, you, you know, I think they were pretty confident about that game. And, and you start looking at the schedule going, okay, now who's going to be able to beat them? And then you sort of arrive at this game but before the season i don't you know i think if everybody was being honest i don't think anybody would have not that this wasn't going to be a good team but i mean 14 and one of two you know remaining undefeated teams in the country number one in the net metric uh number 13 in the country in, in the ap poll uh, you know I, I don't think people could have thought that i mean i think at this point they would have liked to be 12 and two maybe um and, and probably would have taken that but but they got those extra two wins and and now they're 14 and 0 
you know, scouting San Diego State, this is a team that's been known for really good defense historically, uh, a, a team that can attack the basket offensively. Uh, is that a fair assessment of how they're doing things so far this year in the run that they've had leading up to this game on Saturday? Well, that's kind of how they are right now. Um, but what's interesting before the season, when you start looking at the pieces they had, uh, and they had a lot of new pieces who hadn't been here and been through the defensive system, and usually their best defensive teams are guys who have been in the program for three or four years, and you know they really focus as a staff on, on defense, 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 and you know huge amounts of, of practice are spent on defense, much more than, than many normal teams, and that's sort of the legacy of Steve Fisher. So, uh, but this team, you know, people look at it and say, wow, they got a lot of scores and a lot of offense, but man, are they going to be able to guard anybody? Uh, just because of the newness, and also you know you have players coming from programs, a lot of transfers who who maybe weren't considered great defensive players, but were better offensively. And the opposite's been true. I mean, they've been good when they needed to be offensively, and you know when the shot clock starts to break down, and 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 particularly in conference when teams you know know your your plays and your sets, and and now you're you're at a high ball screen with ten seconds on the shot clock. They've been much better in those situations than they have been. But overall. Offensively, you know, in the last few weeks, except for the Utah game, they've really struggled. So, uh, defense has carried it. They're number ten right now in the Ken Palm metric and defensive efficiency, and that's the highest they've been since 2015-16. And they're just shutting teams down. I mean, they're they're all bought in. Uh, the coaches have done a great job in terms of preparation, and and teams are really. I mean, I just looked this up today. Eight of the last nine teams that have played them have shot under forty percent, which is just abysmal. And the one team that got over 40% was Iowa, who's 23rd in the country, and they're 40.4. So that tells you the type of defense they're playing right now. Offensively, the, uh, Malachi Flynn doing a pretty good job right now from beyond the arc. Seems like he's uh, um, he's really finding that stroke from beyond the arc. He's nearly 50% over the last couple of games. Yeah, you know, he's their best player overall, certainly the best offensive player. Um, he came from Washington State. He sat out last year, really improved his game, got great range on his shot. But, you know, it's funny, as good and as well as he's played this year, he's really only once or twice really played the way that, I mean, he does a lot of days in practice and the way that his teammates kind of are hoping he'll play more often. And, they, you know, in the second half of the Iowa game, he had 25. And there's been other spurts where he's, you know, scored in bunches. But beyond that, he's been kind of steady and consistent and gets 15 a game. But, you know, the, the, the danger thing for him, and this is going to be one of the, the dangers for Utah State tomorrow night, is they could play great. They could play great D. They could, they could do everything right, and he could just get hot. And there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, he, I mean you know, Iowa, again, one of the you know, one top 25 teams in the country could not stop him. And the coach said afterwards, we just, there's nothing we could do. I mean, he just was on fire, and it was inside, outside. It was drives. It was fall away threes. It was everything. So, um, that that's you know he's been a little bit streaky in that regard, and it'll be interesting to see how he plays tomorrow night in, in, in a game that really going to need him. I want to get your thoughts on this. I had an individual tell me this that the San Diego State team looks better without Jalen McDaniel's because there's more balanced offense. Do you agree with that? You know, some people say that. I mean, it's hard to say. This is a guy who just got called up to the NBA and you know from the G League and signed an NBA contract, and and, and it's hard to say. Well, you can't you know you take an NBA player off your team and you're and you're going to be better. Um, but this, this team, for, for whatever reason, whether it's him, I mean, there was a couple other seniors that were on the team uh, that played last year, and they're gone too. But for what, I think the fair thing to say is they lost three senior, <clears throat> two senior starters and then Jalen, who left early. Um, and the guys they replaced them with, have, 
just the whole team has been much more of a team, and they're much more bought in, and their sister are up, and 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 they're playing better team defense, and um, they don't get down when they when they get behind in a game. I mean, they, they you know they got behind by nine at at BYU, a really hard place to play, and they came back and won. They were down sixteen early against Iowa, came back and won by ten. Um, and so, the, you know, they were tied late in the, in the Colorado State game on the road in a tough environment, weren't playing well. They won by 20. So that, that's the difference with this team. And whether that's because Jalen's there or he isn't there, I don't know. But uh, it certainly is a, it appears to be a more cohesive unit, uh, and particularly away from home, they, they, they really kind of bind and, uh, and, and get the job done. Uh, I had a conversation with a friend today, and they told me that how difficult it is for a road team, no matter how good you are, to come into the spectrum where it can be extremely loud, extremely chaotic, where you can barely hear your head ringing, uh, you've I think yeah you've been to the spectrum. Can you tell us? Oh, do you times. feel like it affects the road team or a good team like San Diego State to come into a full house like the spectrum? I mean, I think it's one of the hardest places to play in the country. And I've known that for years, and there were you know when when Utah State first got into the Mountain West. There were a couple of lean years there, there, and, and the fans stopped coming. And there were a few times that San Diego State came and won, and it, it still was hard, but it wasn't what I knew it would be. And then a few years ago, I, I saw the real spectrum. I think it was a couple of times maybe students weren't there. And now we've seen the real spectrum the last few years. Um, certainly last year and a few years before that, it was crazy. Um, and yeah, it is very hard. And you know the. The loud part, I think players get used to that, but where it gets really hard is for coaches, you know, they can't call out plays. And so in the first half, the defense is in front of them, but the offense is at the other end. So the offense sometimes struggles because they're too far away and they can't hear what the coaches want. And in the second half, it's the opposite. The offense is right in front of the benches, but the defense is at the other end. And so, you know, that's where it affects them a lot. And I think the altitude's also, for a C-level team, you know, it used to be that, a lot of San Diego State players would just kind of pretend that altitude doesn't exist. But this team's kind of embraced and just goes, yeah, it's harder. No doubt about it. You know, Matt Mitchell said, yeah, you never really get used to it. You're short of breath. It becomes a mental thing, but it's there, and it's, it's there in uh, Utah State. So I think when you take sort of the combination of really good team, really, really loud uh, vocal environment, and altitude, it's all three of those things together. Again, we're talking to Mark Ziegler. He's with the San Diego Union Tribune looking ahead to Utah State, San Diego State Saturday night. It's a later game. And this, uh, obviously, so far to this state, nobody has been able to fully solve the San Diego State uh, problem. And uh, there's some teams, as you mentioned, who came close at certain times in games. But uh, it seems like in some some other Mountain West games, teams that have kind of come a little bit closer, San Jose notably, came really close. What was it in that game that San Jose State was doing that had that game going down to the wire? Well, I, you know, San Diego State had historically had a problem playing at noon or early afternoon games, and that was a noon game. And, I mean, I think, you know, they were coming off some really big wins, um, and they just, they were flat. And, it's, and San Jose State, um, you know, they played really hard, and then they got going. A couple shooters got hot. And that's kind of the old adage, you know, and San Diego State struggled sometimes against lesser teams, played down their, the, the level of their opponent a little bit. And, but, but the big thing is they give them confidence. And, you know, a player makes a tough shot. Uh, the defense is so good. 
and that gets them going. So sometimes you can be your own worst, worst enemy when you're so good defensively. Teams are just taking circus shots. But when the circus shots go in, you get even more confidence than if it was a wide-open shot. And so uh, every now and then you'll see that, and you'll see a team get hot, and that's what happened to them, and, and they were lucky to pull that out. Uh, but, you know, we've seen that in college basketball. There's already been four games this year, I think, where 25-point or greater dogs have won. And I think they were all on the road. And, and you know, San, San Jose State would have been a fifth. So it's not like it's a complete aberration. It's just, you know, the way college basketball is. You saw what happened to Utah State. I mean, they really, on paper, had no business that game even being close at UNLV, and they ended up getting blown out. It just happens sometimes. And so I think San Diego State's susceptible to it. They've just been lucky they've been able to pull them out. Then I guess my follow-up is just what what's the perception there in San Diego about the Mountain West this year? San Diego State, obviously, at the top, Utah State was doing well until just the other day they get, slipped up. New Mexico's had some issues with players getting suspended. Uh, but beyond those three teams... San Jose State, by the way. Yeah, not a whole lot of strength. But what's the perception in, uh, in San Diego about the rest of the league right now? Well, I mean, I think people in San Diego expect to win the league every year. I mean, it's kind of the big brother thing. It's the big city, and, you know, schools had a lot of success recently. And so whether they're picked first, second, or fourth, they always just assume they're going to win it. Um, but there is a huge amount of respect for Utah State because of what happened last year uh, and the fact that everybody came back. Um, and, you know, you know, Nevada was a little bit more of a one-hit wonder or, or two-hit wonder with those two teams, and they all graduated and they're gone. And, and so, uh, but I think, you know, it, it's kind of this love-hate relationship. I'm not even sure it's love with the Mountain West. I, I think San Diego <laughs> State fans feel, in football as well, they're above it. And all you hear from fans is, we got to get out of this conference, to which I say, where are you going to go? There's nowhere to go. And, you know, and basketball was a little bit more palatable when, uh, when you had BYU and Utah in the conference and, you know, and, and UNLV was playing well and uh, New Mexico was, was, you know, top of its game. And you have five really good programs. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of fallen, fallen off. And so, now, you know, when they look at it and see it's a one-bid league, they just think it's a bad conference again. And so, it's a, like, again, you know, they just, fans expect that San Diego State to be in a bigger conference, but I just, I don't know where they're going to end up and where they're going to go unless, you know, a power conference comes crawling and, and, and offers them a spot. I just don't see that happening right now. I got to ask you, you talk about the Midwest Conference. San Jose State is came along very nicely. They, I mean, they took you guys to a buzzer. They, they took Utah State to the final minute. They went over and romped uh, New Mexico pretty easily. Uh, can you just talk about San Jose State and how far they've came along? Yeah, you know, they have a new coach uh, as a couple years ago, and one of their problems is they, they were in sort of this three, three or four-year cycle of coaches, and they just kept hiring new coaches. Dave Wojcik, who was the previous coach before uh, Gene uh, Priolo, um, really had them going and probably had a team put together that would have been a top five team in the Mountain West, if not higher. And he had some issues and got run off in the summer. And then all of a sudden, you've got to hire a coach in August or July, and that's just a recipe for disaster. Kids transfer out, and they've had that issue for two or three years now. And finally, he's kind of got this, you know, Gene's got his guys there I don't think they're that talented, certainly not as talented as they were under, under Dave Wojcik, but they are playing hard. And they also have the advantage that Utah State and San Diego State don't. Is Utah State and San Diego State is going to get everybody's best shot every night. 
Utah State because of where they were picked and how unanimously they were picked, and San Diego State because of their history and now because of their record and ranking. And they're just going to get everyone's best shot. San Jose State's going to get everybody's worst shot. And it's a big, big difference, and you see it in this league a lot. So I think, you know, teams, they'll sneak up on a lot of teams. Now that they've beaten New Mexico, they'll, they'll catch, you know, the attention of, of coaching staff and players a little bit more, and maybe it won't happen as much. It'll be interesting to see. But I think there's a little bit of that at, at, at work right now, too. Mark, let me ask you, from your conversations with the, the, the coaching staff there or the players as you followed them, what do what are they saying about Utah State in the, in the matchups that could be really critical and interesting uh, to pay attention to on Saturday? Well, I think you know a lot of it for, from their perspective depends on whether Cada plays, and you know that's sort of been an ongoing thing that people in San Diego have been watching. You know, people in San Diego really don't follow the Mountain West that closely. Just be, again for the reasons I stated, I think they think they're above it, but. The one thing they have watched is whether Kate is playing, when he's playing, when he's not playing, because they knew this game was coming. And I don't think they got any answers of whether he's going to play tomorrow night or not. But I think if he does or if he doesn't, makes a big difference in the game. I mean, if he does play, how does he play? And if he plays as well as he can, now it happens if San Diego State doesn't have Nathan Mensah and it doesn't look like they will. So, you know, now it, now how does that impact the game? I think... Um, the other thing that, that Brian Dutcher talked about, and I've just finished writing the story about, is you know he watched the UNLV game, and in a way, while yeah, it gave San Diego State a one-game cushion uh, in the conference standings, it was probably the worst thing that could happen because he said, look, I know what's, what kind of team we're going to get on Saturday night. They're going to be angry. It was already going to be tough. Now they're going to be angry and tough. And, um, and you know, he said, I, I, you know, just by the, the comments that, that Craig Smith had about being served a slice of humble pie. He goes, you know, when you say that about your team, if I say that about my team, I know what kind of team I'm going to get the next time out. They're coming out with, with smoke coming out of their nostrils. And, and so I think that that's their biggest concern is the energy and the energy in the building, the energy of the team, uh, and, and, and whether they can, you know, uh, uh, counteract that. But from a tactical standpoint, I think it's going to be one on the, on the glass. If, if Utah State rebounds like it did against UNLV, which was uh, shocking to me how poorly they did, um, then San Diego State might have a chance. If they rebound like they normally do, and Nathan Mensah and uh, Aguico Rope don't play uh, for San Diego State, which is what it looks like neither of them will, um, then then it's going to be really hard for San Diego State. And, and it'll take like a Malachi Flynn or a Jordan Shack or Matt Mitchell having you know an unbelievable hot night to sort of bail them out. Uh, Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Tribune joins us here on the Full Court Press. Uh, Mark, it kind of runs me into my next question for you. Give me three keys that the Aztecs need to do to get out of the spectrum with a win. Well, again, first rebound we just talked about, um, and and that's both offensive and defensive glass. Uh, second is they got to shoot the ball better than they have in the last three or four games. They they've been awful, and you know one of the big stories in San Diego, and I, I and and I, I wonder if it will become one. It probably should become one in uh, in Logan as well, and a couple other schools is that. You know, the, the shot tracker um, system requires you to have a chip implanted, a tracking chip uh, inside of the basketball. And so you, each school chooses, has its own basketball sponsor. Usually it's a apparel sponsor. So Nike for both Utah State and San Diego State. So Nike was asked, could you put some of these chips inside balls? They put it in a newer model of ball than last year. And the newer model, the players, for the most part, hate. It's got narrow grooves. Uh, shallower glue roofs. It's got a different texture to it. I felt it. I'm a basketball player myself. I know 
a good basketball from a bad one. I didn't like it either. Uh, it's much slipperier, and, and San Diego State has really struggled in the games they've used it to shoot. I mean, it's from three points, like 25% versus 37%. It's really uh, shocking, and, and I ran the numbers of Utah State. They're actually shooting worse with this ball at home than they are with new, unfamiliar balls and unfamiliar rims on the road from three points. So, uh, you know, that could be a factor as well. I, you know, they're supposed to use this ball. Uh, you know, I, I'm waiting for a team just to say we're not using it. Good luck, find us, you know. But it'll be, it'll be fascinating to me. So I think that's another key to the game. If they do play with this new weird ball, uh, who shoots it the best? Because it, it, neither team has shot it well. Um, and then the final thing, you know, I think for San Diego State is just to sort of control the crowd and the runs and not take too many 8-0, 10-0 runs uh, and let the crowd get into it. If they can keep the crowd out of, out of it, which they did at BYU for the most part, except for one stretch, uh, they did a really good job of managing that. Um, and that's sort of the key to winning on the road in a hostile environment. I know you'll have some kind of say in this, if I'm not mistaken, but who would your Mountain West Conference Player of the Year vote go to as of right now? I know it's early. <clears throat> right now, I mean, I, I give it to Malachi Flynn. Uh, but part of that is knowing how good he can be. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and like I said, he, he's playing really well. He's probably playing well enough to be the Mountain West Player of the Year right now. Uh, but uh, if he plays anything close to what I think he can, and remember, he, he had to sit out last year, and so he, he went 19 months without playing in the basketball game. And, and you look around the, the country and the sit-out transfers, a lot of them struggle the first half of the season and kind of start getting their groove in conference or even the second round of conference. They see teams a second time, uh, and they really get going. And so I think he's just going to get better, so he'd be my guy right now. Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Tribune. Hey, Mark, great stuff. Thank you as always. Let's do it again soon, shall yeah, we? Yeah, thanks for your time. That was great All stuff. Right. Anytime. Talk to you guys later. That's Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Tribune. Great, great, great stuff. Uh, Eric, it's really interesting. I, I had to ask the real question because I had a friend talk to me today who had who knew of someone who I think he played at Seattle, and they had to come to the Spectrum, and it was a madhouse. And he said, we were not the same team we usually are because of what the Spectrum sold out did to us. Mentally, emotionally, I mean, they just – because, I mean, it just comes at you. For 40 it, it, minutes, it's just straight at you. It certainly can, but San Diego State's no stranger to that. Yeah. I mean, they have the show. I mean, they've got a good home crowd in their own right with their with their rowdy student section. So it, it may not be as imposing as somebody who's unfamiliar being in that type of environment, but it, it does need to be on point. The The crowd needs to be into it. The crowd needs to... Give the players energy um, it, when uh, maybe when, even when they're down uh, to uh, to keep things going for them. Uh, interesting insight that he had to say about the the ball. Yeah, I never ball. even heard about that. No, I have to ask uh, a little bit more about that. Um, but uh, it, it affects both teams equally as you, uh, both teams are playing with yeah, the same I mean, ball. Both teams play the exact same basketball. But yeah, anyway, interesting. I thought that was really interesting. A big thanks to Mark Ziegler for joining us here. We're going to take a break. Coming back, we'll get more into San Diego State. We'll get more into Utah State. We'll look at our keys to the game and give you our predictions of tomorrow night's game. San Diego State at the Spectrum. Utah State Aggies. Two teams competing and vying for a regular season Mountain West Championship. This will go an extremely long ways in doing so. It's Eric Francis. I'm Aldi Salison, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. A fan. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com.
Full Court Press, Eric France and Ajay Salveson. This is great stuff with Mark Ziegler. San Diego Tribune, Union Tribune. A uh, couple things really stood out to me about that from his interview. One, about the basketball and how it's affecting shooting. And you said he ran the numbers that seems to be affecting Utah State as well. Not shooting it as well at home as they are in other venues where they aren't using the same ball that they use when they're at home. And that uh, folks in San Diego think they're above the Mountain West. I mean, I get it. San Diego State's had some success in basketball. But it's not like they're the cream of the crop in football every year. Nevada's challenged them in basketball. A couple other schools have challenged them for, to be tops in basketball. I don't, I don't get this attitude in San Diego where they're they're above the mountain. Yeah, west. did that throw you off? Yeah, totally. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping in here late, but that that threw me off. I was like, like "What the heck do you? I mean, what is it? A bunch of Troy Calhouns in that place? <laughs> what do you guys think? Who the heck are? do you think you're talking about? Yeah. It's okay. All right." Whatever. But this is going to be a great showdown between these two teams. Uh, can Utah State get enough offense? Uh, San Diego State has been excellent with their defense. They're only allowing about 56 points a game defensively while they're scoring about 75. So big, big difference there. The last team to score more than 60 points against San Diego State was Iowa when they scored 73. And before that, I mean, there's only been two games before that with teams scored more than 60 points. BYU scored 71. Uh, Grand Canyon scored 61. And uh, so, yeah, it's scoring more than 60 points is uh, is a bit of a rarity. Long Island University scored 64, oddly enough. But um, this is a really good defensive team. It's a team that can score points as well. Though They're not going to go necessarily always go out and blow your socks off, but they put up 92 against San Diego Community College, they, or they put up uh, uh, 80 against the Utes, which was a notable game. So they have that potential to score points, scored 83 against Iowa. But really the thing is, is their defense. They don't make it easy for you to score. So how much oxygen can Utah State get? How much breathing room uh, between themselves and the defenders can they create and, to, and, and get shots? And can the shots go through? Uh, that's been that was the problem on Wednesday. Can they get out of that funk? Can they start making some buckets? And uh, they're going to be hard to come by. But uh, if they can get a couple guys hitting some shots, you put some pressure on San Diego State. Who needs to be? What part of the court needs to be bigger tomorrow night? The front court or the back court for Utah State? I I think what Utah State does in the paint it has to be. Um, near the top, I think. Just in controlling the boards, I think they're going to have a size and length advantage. Uh, the Mark talk, talked about uh, some concerns with guys who may be available for San Diego State uh, that handle some of those duties. So uh, I think that's going to be key. I think if you can control the paint, you're going to be able to control the game. I, I agree with you. And I think you're going, to, you're going to need to see good minutes from Dorius. We're going to need to see good minutes from Kuba. Now what's really interesting is that in these types of games, you haven't seen those younger kids. You haven't seen Doris. You haven't seen Berstow. You haven't seen um, – you've seen a little bit of Alfonso, but not as much as a regular. How much of those guys do we see tomorrow? That is the question. Well, uh, if it's – I think it depends on how well the other guys are doing. If Coach Smith sees that it's not working, 
he's going to pull the trigger and, and make a roster change and try to find somebody, some combination in there that's going to work. You, you can't afford to go stretches of, uh, of inefficiency out there against a really, really good San Diego State team. Again, San Diego State, Utah State tomorrow night, 8 o'clock. Uh, San Diego State's undefeated. Eric, how long, I mean, and we kind of teased it just before we went to break, and we talked about the Nevada game last year. Of course, that was on the line officially as part of a big, you know, hand of the regular season, regular season Mountain West Conference Championship. How far does this game go into deciding that? Uh, I think it could go a long ways. I think it could go a long ways for deciding the regular season, who's going to win it. And I think it could go a long ways to help Utah State have a strong case for a decent seed as an at-large team if they don't win the the conference tournament. So there's a lot on the line on this game on Saturday. You don't mean to um, oversell it so guys get too tight because there's still a lot of basketball to be played. But, Ajay, this is a really important game in a lot of reasons because of the at-large implications, the conference implications, and just getting... Putting that game in Las Vegas behind them and coming back and saying, look, we are the top team in this conference and we're going to play the rest of the year like we are. And, you know, I I just know, and I think you understand this as well, we understand and know how difficult it is to win on the road in this, in this league. I mean, UNLV, as Mark alluded to, and we both kind of said this ourselves, we, UNLV had no business being in that game. And they come in there from the get-go and run Utah State right off the court in the first half alone. And then you got to go to San Diego State still. you still got a game in New Mexico, so you're not out of the woods there either. No. And, I mean, it's just really hard to win on the road. So you got to understand that you got to take care of business at home. Right. you gotta you got to protect your home court. Um, you're going to have the crowd support. You're, you're, your fringe guys are going to play better. Your good guys are going to play great. Um, that's what happens when you play it in a great home environment. And that's what they're going to need. They're going to need everybody playing great to get past this uh, really good San Diego State team. And I'm afraid that what happened on Wednesday was perhaps maybe a little bit of overlooking Nevada, uh, Las Vegas, um, looking ahead to well, what's on the schedule tomorrow night. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely with you. Again, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, if you, can't, if you don't have your tickets... I understand single tickets are still available. That's, okay, there might that's what be I'm hearing, more, too. There may be more released tomorrow. So students aren't, I'm not sure where they're coming students from. Students aren't back on campus yet. There are some, but classes start on Monday, so I don't think you're going to see the full complement of students there, and I think the administration recognizes that, so they're turning over some student section okay, tickets. So, but, okay, here's my question, then, because when I called in today, they told me I needed to have a voucher. To be able to like, get the tickets. And so then I had to go to StubHub and I just got tickets there for a friend and someone else. And I was like, I have no idea what a voucher yeah, is. I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that. I just need two tickets. I'll just go somewhere else. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on there, but stay tuned. Uh, there could be tickets um, according to a social media account that expressed that there might be some available tomorrow. Somebody who definitely knows. I would give them... Yeah, the benefit of the doubt. All right, Eric, we got to go to break. Oh, my gosh, we got to go to break. Uh, and then we'll come back and we'll wrap up the show. Eric France and Avdi Salveson, Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
Oh man, I had no idea what I was clicking on, but yeah. Janet Jackson. This is good stuff. I love Janet Jackson. I had a crush on her and Madonna for like six, seven years when I was a little kid. I could never pick, so I gave up. Uh, Eric Franson, I just... never had a shot, RJ. I, I did, actually. I absolutely did. I actually had I had good looks. I was in shape. I was athletic. I was uh, the second baseman of my t-ball team. I was oh. the starting point guard on my Little League basketball she team. Was, you were she was gonna you were gonna catch her eye. Yeah, I'm sure. Was. Are you serious? Absolutely. Uh, Eric, uh, as we get ready for the Aztecs and Aggies, let's uh, let's get to our keys. Let's get to our predictions for tomorrow night. Give me uh, give me a key to uh, tomorrow night for the Aggies to get an upset win. Battle of the boards. Utah State has to win the rebound battle, and I think. To be in a chance to win, I think they have to not just have one more than the other guys. I think it's got to be a pretty healthy margin in favor of USU. And generally speaking, they are the better rebounding team. But I think for USU to to uh, to be in a spot to win, they've got to be close to double digits, if not double digits, more in their rebounding efforts against San Diego State. Uh, I I think they need to. Be a better three-point shooting team because we know the Aztecs are. Aggies got to be much better than one of thirteen, one of sixteen, whatever it was. Um, it has to be better. Uh, the got, outside shooting apps. I is, totally is agree. With be you. Has huge. to be better. And I think you need scoring from your point guard. I think you need you need scoring from about everybody because this team can lock you guys. And they, you know they're going to lock Sam down. You know they're going to try. If Namus is on the court, they're going to try and lock him down. Someone else has got to come up and do the job. Someone's got to step up and be that guy. Whether it's being Brito. Miller is going to have to be better as well. Fonz, Fonz could be. Fonz has been really quiet as of late too. I like to see him. Uh, predictions for tomorrow night, Eric. I hope. I wish I was more optimistic, but I've got San Diego State winning this one in a close one. But I think it'll be San Diego State sixty-five, Utah State sixty-one. Mm-hmm. That's a, a heck of a ball game. I've got San Diego State seventy-one fifty-six. Hmm. Over the Utah State Ooh, Aggies. Wow, you've got a bigger margin. I do. I just, you know, I think what uh, San Diego State can do is so balanced and they can wear you down. Uh, but uh, again, we'll find out tomorrow night, 8 o'clock at the Spectrum. Get your tickets if there are any available. 7 o'clock pregame on KVNU Game Night. For Eric Franson, for uh, Adam, our intern, and for Mark Ziegler of the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Audrey Salveson. Good night, everybody.